and when that failed to release it, I got out my penknife and dug away with that. I didn't do it in a spirit of vandalism. I wasn't a spiteful or destructive boy. It was simply that, in admiring the house, I wanted to possess a piece of it, or rather, as if the admiration itself, which I suspected a more ordinary child would not have felt, entitled me to it. I was like a man, I suppose, wanting a lock of hair from the head of a girl he had suddenly and blindingly become enamoured of. I'm afraid the acorn gave at last, though less cleanly than I'd been expecting, with a tug of fibre and a fall of white powder and grit. I remember that as disappointing. Possibly I'd imagined it to be made of marble. But nobody came. Nobody caught me. It was, as they say, the work of a moment. I put the acorn in my pocket and slipped back behind the curtain. The parlour-maid returned a minute later and took me back downstairs. My mother and I said good-bye to the kitchen staff and rejoined my father in the garden. I felt the hard plaster lump in my pocket now with a sort of sick excitement. I'd begun to be anxious that Colonel Ayres, a frightening man, would discover the damage and stop the fate but the afternoon ran on without incident until the bluish drawing in of dusk. My parents and I joined other Lidcote people for the long walk home, the bats flitting and wheeling with us along the lanes as if whirled on invisible strings. My mother found the acorn, of course, eventually. I had been drawing it in and out of my pocket, and it had left a chalky trail on the grey flannel of my shorts. When she understood what the queer little thing in her hand was, she almost wept. She didn't smack me or tell my father she never had the heart for arguments. Instead, she looked at me with her tearful eyes, as if baffled and ashamed. "'You ought to know better, a clever lad like you,' I expect she said. People were always saying things like that to me when I was young. My parents, my uncles, my schoolmasters— all the various adults who interested themselves in my career. The words used to drive me into secret rages, because on the one hand I wanted desperately to live up to my own reputation for cleverness, and on the other it seemed very unfair that that cleverness which I had never asked for could be turned into something with which to cut me down. The acorn was put on the fire. I found the blackened nub of it among the clinker next day, that must have been the last grand year for Hundreds Hall, anyway. The following Empire Day fate was given by another family in one of the neighbouring big houses. Hundreds had started its steady decline. Soon afterwards the Ayres's daughter died, and Mrs. Ayres and the Colonel began to live less publicly. I dimly remember the births of their next two children, Caroline and Roderick, but by then I was at Lemington College and busy with bitter little battles of my own. My mother died when I was fifteen. She had had miscarriage after miscarriage, it turned out, all through my childhood, and the last one killed her. My father lived just long enough to see me graduate from medical school and return to Lidcote a qualified man. Colonel Ayres died a few years later, an aneurysm, I think. With his death, Hundreds Hall withdrew even further from the world. The gates of the park were kept almost permanently closed. The solid brown stone boundary wall, though not especially high, was high enough to seem forbidding. 
and for all that the house was such a grand one, there was no spot on any of the lanes in that part of Warwickshire from which it could be glimpsed. I sometimes thought of it, tucked away in there as I passed the wall on my rounds, picturing it always as it had seemed to me that day in 1919, with its handsome brick faces and its cool marble passages, each one filled with marvellous things. So when I did see the house again, almost thirty years on from that first visit and shortly after the end of another war, the changes in it appalled me. It was the purest chance that took me out there, for the heirs were registered with my partner, David Graham, but he was busy with an emergency case that day, so when the family sent for a doctor the request was passed on to me. My heart began to sink almost the moment I let myself into the park. I remembered a long approach to the house, through neat rhododendron and laurel. But the park was now so overgrown and untended my small...